Today we take a ride on a ghost train that is still seen plowing across the deserts of Arizona. Then we meet the unluckiest man in the world until he wasn't. And then finally, we look at an interesting conspiracy. And one that has a bit of backing to it. Was Marilyn Monroe killed to cover up the truth of UFOs today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so I'm going to spare you the Star Trek jokes this episode. We're going to jump right into it. Jump wee! Arizona. The state that never sleeps. Because it's so hot there, you can't sleep. That's where we're at. Arizona. It's just one giant, flat state. Every so often you see a giant stump of a tree. Ah, you thought those were mesas. No, those are tree stumps. But we're here. We're in the Dragoon Mountains. Which sounds dope. I think that's the name of French soldiers who shoot guns. Well, they all do now. But back in the day, the Dragoons, I think, were the first armed... Uh, French soldiers, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Between Dragoon and the town of Wilcox, Arizona. This has been spotted multiple times by multiple people over the years. A phantom train. Sometimes you just see the light on the train. Not just the light like the sun, but sometimes you just see like the front of the headlight. Why do you put a headlight on a train? It's not like it can turn. I guess they could break. By the time the beam of light hits what's ever in the train's way... You cannot be able to stop it. I mean, how how many lumens did they have back in the 1800s? Like, I bet you that train, that headlight on the train. Oh, oh, I guess it's so other people can see the train coming. Never mind. So anyways, you learned something, Jason. You taught yourself something. The train. Actually, would a ghost train make noise? Actually, a ghost make noise. So it makes sense. Tickets, please. You, get off the train, hobo. Uh, Ghost hobos are getting thrown off the train. They're like just evaporating into nowhere. Slimer's back there. He's eating all the food. Slimer! Anyways, this ghost train's coming through the desert. People have seen it over the years. They've heard it over the years. They're like, why is all these hot dogs just in the middle of the desert? The weirdest thing is, if the ghost train with hobos and Slimer on it aren't weird enough, There's never been a train laid in the area where the train is seen. Now, all the articles I read about the ghost train were like, there's a ghost train. People have seen it and heard it for years. But here's the weird part. There's never been a train where the ghost train's seen. And I'm thinking, so? It's not like the train has a ghost. I have a better point, better question here. Let's say that, okay, so let's say the ghost train exists. And it's chugging along in the middle of nowhere, place where train tracks have never been laid down. Did they see trains like in 600 AD in that area? Where like the Native American, like that's a bigger question to me. Not there's never been a train there. Well, who cares if there's not go- ghosts don't ha- trains don't ha- leave ghosts. So whether or not there's a train there is totally irrelevant to the fact that there is a ghost train. But I think the more interesting question is. 600 AD, you have Native Americans living in Arizona. I don't know why. It's super hot down there and there's no animals, but they're down there. Was the ghost train there then? Would they have seen this thing and they'd have no concept for the noises it made, for the size, for the speed? 
They're like, why? who are all these ghost hobos? What's a hobo? And then everything just vanishes. Like, what did they see in that area? The Apache do consider the area sacred. Now, I will say this. I say trains don't have ghosts. But if there was a train that got lost or derailed, and to this day people still say they can see the ghost of a train coming down the tracks, whatever. But this train is in the middle of nowhere. When did they start seeing it? Did people see it before they knew what a train was? And the reason why this is an important question, if that's true, if that train has always been there and no one could recognize what it was until other people who had invented the train saw the train and go, oh, that's a train. That's what that is. Do ghosts work in any sort of time, time chain, what's timeline? Or are they just there whenever? Like, the ghosts that we see, are they people who have died before? Or is it possible that there are people who will die eventually? Like, if I'm looking at a ghost, how do I know? If Okay, if a ghost train can exist in the middle of nowhere, and I'm looking at a ghost in my living room, it's possible that that guy won't die until 50 years from now. But when he died, his soul is trapped in this timeline. Or it's appearing in this timeline, but he may still be alive 2,000 years from now. Does that make sense? Like, I, 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 that's the thing that I always get kind of squirrely with ghosts is living people measure stuff on a linear timeline because our lives are on a linear timeline. But to a ghost, to something who exists for eternity, a linear timeline is doesn't make sense. Does that make sense? Because technically, infinity would or eternity would doesn't it go both ways? I don't know, man. You know, people always accuse me of smoking weed before I do the show, and I'm like. This is always my response. There is no way I could do a daily show if I smoked marijuana. Absolutely not. I think my I'm just perma-stoned. Because I did spend a lot of time in my 20s partying. And my brain just can't stop working sometimes. Ghost train. What are the serious ramifications for... Don't do drugs, kids, by the way. Um, ghost trains. What would be the serious ramifications? If it, if, if the... Tr- oh my god, it's blowing my mind. If the train was never there, but there's a ghost of a train, if we accept those two things as facts, then you also have to extrapolate that to say that every ghost or a good likely amount of ghosts that we see are not tied to that physical location. Our linear timeline is looking at a ghost and saying, I know Mary Queen of Scots died here, therefore that ghost looks like Mary Queen of Scots. However, that ghost could be a cosplayer from 80 years in the future who died wearing her Mary Queen of Scots uniform. Bam, dude. I just answered every ghost sighting ever. You can thank me later. Don't do trucks, kids. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Okay, now we're going to go to Croatia. Now, if you want to go quickly, there's only one way to get there. It's all cleaned out, baby. We got the Carpenter Copter. Hop on in. Isn't it nice, dude? I got it's all clean. I got all these air fresheners. Got the doors wide open, so hold on to something. If you don't get the reference, a bunch of people pooped in it a couple episodes ago. We're in Croatia. We also had to go back in time during our flight. We are going to watch the life and times of a man. Tell me this doesn't sound like a Star Trek character. I said I wasn't going to do any Star Trek jokes, but this guy sounds like a Star Trek character. His name is Frain Selak. Don't fool me. That's a Star Trek character. You're a time traveler. But anyways, we land 
in Frayne Selects yard. And he's like, get out of here, you kids and your wacky contraption, because we're back in, oh, I guess they had helicopters back in 1962. He's like, get out of here, kids, with your contraption that I'm vaguely aware of. He's shaking a pitchfork at it. Actually, Frayne seems to be a pretty nice guy. So he's like, ah, I'm just kidding. Come on in. Let's hang out for a bit. We don't really want to hang out with them. Now, if you haven't seen the movie Final Destination, it's the movie where death tries to kill you. You escape, and I love Final Destination 4. That's one of my favorite movies. The series is good, but Final Destination 4, called The Final Destination, is one of the best. One of the best horror movies. Absolutely love it. But anyways, that's the setup for those movies. You escape death, and then death tries to get you again until you eventually die. Let's look at Frayne Selak's life. First off, he was a Romulan officer on a warbird. No, I'm just joking. Okay, okay. In 1962, he was in a train... Another train, no ghost hobos, nothing like that. The train, however, flips off the tracks, crashes into the river. 17 people drown. He swims to shore. One year later, 1963, he's flying in a plane. The door of the plane malfunctions, pops open. He is thrown out of the plane. I don't know what height, but not super high. He's thrown out of the plane. He lands in a haystack. Plane crashes, killing 19 people. He never flew on another plane. Three years after that, he was in a bus, slid off the road into the river. He swims to shore. Four people drown. Four years later, so now we're in 1970. He's rocking the bell bottoms, hairy chest, huge medallion. He's driving a car. Car catches on fire. He jumps out of his car and gets away before the car explodes. Three years later, 1973, driving a car. A malfunctioning, a lot of malfunctions, a malfunctioning fuel pump begins leaking hot oil onto his engine. Flame shoots out of his heater vents into his car, burns his hair off, but he survives. And then nothing until 1995. He gets hit by a bus. Minor injuries. One year later. This, I think, all of that's bad, but this I thought was quite chilling. 1996, he's driving on a curvy mountain road, and a United Nations truck comes out of relatively nowhere, and now they're about to have a head-on collision. He swerves into the guardrail to avoid the truck. The guardrail gives away. Now, because when he swerved the impact of the car, he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, and when his car hit, his door swung open. He flew out of his car, grabbed onto a tree... Car plummets down a 300-foot gorge, and he's just standing there. All of these had been documented throughout his life. The Ewan truck, I hope, stopped and helped him. They're like, no, we only help nations, not just you. But anyways, Frayne Selak survived death multiple times. 2003, two days after his 73rd birthday, wins a million dollars in the lottery. Buys a bunch of houses, buys a boat, gives the rest to his friends and family, Died peacefully, 89 years old. Can you imagine dodging death that many times in your life? Like, I mean, at a certain, after, okay. I've had some pretty scary run-ins with, like, car accidents and, like, sketchy situations and places I shouldn't have been and things like that. But after the fourth time I got in a vehicle and it either exploded or drove off the road, I'd be like, I'm done. Actually, that's kind of what I have done. I've been in seven car accidents, and I'm like, I don't need to drive. I'll just walk everywhere. So I, yeah, I mean, but this guy's like, oh, my, my car blew up. Good thing it's fully insured. Time to buy another car, and it catches on fire. 
I don't know, crazy. But luckiest or unluckiest, man? I mean, it's pretty lucky to win a million dollars, but it'd be even more lucky if he won a million dollars when he was younger. But he had it, and he said, you know, his his view was, I bought what he wanted, and then he's like, I'll just give the rest to my family and kids. Luckiest or unluckiest man, you decide. I guess luckiest, really, because he survived the whole time. I found that story when I was looking up the farthest falls. He was listed as one of the people who survived a plane fall, but, I mean, he fell into a pile of hay like a looney tune character it doesn't even say how high the plane was but i thought i was like oh this this guy needs to just get his own little segment but let's go ahead okay so we're gonna say bye to frayne bye frayne selak he's like bye and then we notice he talks into his calm and he's like let the tal shiar know that the romulans will he's a star trek character it's a star trek name but anyways we'll leave the star trek romulan infiltrator behind but we hop into the carpenter copter we're on our way to hollywood the land of glitz and glamour. Everything's beautiful in Hollywood. Everything's... I have a friend who went to Hollywood to be an actor, and I go, how are the women down there? And he looks at me like I'm an idiot, and he's like, how do you think, dude? They're all gorgeous. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I guess that was kind of a self-answering question. But anyway, so... Hey, Jonas, if you listen to the show. So, we are in the Carpenter Copter. Now, we do have to make a quick stop. I gotta get some AMPM hamburgers, because I love those gas station burgers. Oh, wait, I'm on keto. Damn it. Ah, I just have to fly over the AMPM and be like, ah, damn it. We fly over. But we gotta be careful. We're gonna put on stealth mode. Not super stealthy. But because we know the CIA is listening to a very intriguing phone call. Marilyn Monroe, famous movie actress, singer? I think. I think she was in some musicals. She had been sleeping with both the President of the United States and his brother, Attorney General Robert Kennedy. I don't think I could share a woman with my brother. Maybe Marilyn Monroe. But I don't think so. So anyways, or Britney Spears. But no, that's gross, dude. They'd be getting all DNA mixed up and stuff in there. Anyway, so... That, that aside, that aside, Marilyn Monroe was sleeping with both President Kennedy and Attorney General Bobby Kennedy. But they had kind of ghosted her at this point. They were like, nah, we don't want to talk to you anymore. And she was starting to lose her luster in Hollywood. Marilyn Monroe was no longer the big star that she had used to be. August 3rd, 1962. There was a phone call that the CIA recorded because CIA had Marilyn Monroe's phone tapped because they knew she knew stuff about President Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. And they had the phones tapped of Marilyn Monroe's friends. Now, that's the thing. Whenever people talk about conspiracies and they're like, well, you know, that's not true. We find bits and pieces of true conspiracies here and there. There's the conspiracy that Marilyn Monroe didn't commit suicide, that she was murdered. People are like, what? No, there's no way. She had all these drugs in her system. Only people who commit suicide do that. There's no assassin would make you take drugs. But then we have recordings of phone call. We know her phone was being tapped. In this wiretap, which was found during a Freedom of Information Act request, it is regarding a conversation between a reporter, Dorothy Killigan, sorry, not Killigan, Dorothy Kilgallen, and her close friend, Howard Rothberg. And I believe that when they're saying her close friend, they're referring to Marilyn Monroe's close friend. Government talk isn't always the most specific. I'm going to read this to you. This is an actual CIA document. Rothberg discussed the apparent comeback of subject with Marilyn Monroe, with Kilgallen, and the breakup with the Kennedys. Rothberg told Kilgallen that she was attending Hollywood parties hosted by, quote-unquote, inner circle 
among Hollywood's elite and was becoming the talk of the town again. Rothberg indicated in so many words that she has secrets to tell, no doubt arising from her trysts with the president and the attorney general. One such secret, and what's weird, secrets in air quotes, secrets in quotations there. One such quote-unquote secret mentions the visit by the president. So uh, before I get on the next part, the CIA is listening in on this phone call. And Marilyn Monroe's friend is talking to a reporter. And he's like, yeah, you know, she's, she's making the rounds in Hollywood. She's really trying to get herself back out there. She's talking to the high and mighty, the elite in Hollywood. She's trying to get back into show business. CIA agent's like, oh, you know, listening to it. This is the next part that comes out. And this is what the CIA agent typed up. This is their official report. One such secret mentions the visit by the president at a secret airbase for the purpose of inspecting things from outer space. Kilgallen replied that she knew what might be the source of visit. In the mid-50s, Kilgallen learned of secret effort by U.S. and U.K. governments to identify the origins of crashed spacecraft and dead bodies from a British government official. Kilgallen believed the story may have come from the New Mexico story in the late 40s. Kilgallen said if the story is true, it would cause terrible embarrassment for Jack and his plans to have NASA put men on the moon. So you have this conversation between Marilyn Monroe's friend saying, hey, she wants to get back into show business. Yeah, she also told me this weird story how the president went out to some secret base and to go look at stuff from outer space. And the reporter goes, hmm, I kind of, I know a little bit something about that. I talked to a British official a couple years ago, back in the 50s, and he told me that we have been in contact with a small race of beings, and we believe that they crashed at some place in New Mexico, I don't remember, and we're worried that they may be some sort of problem. Dorothy Kilgallen is a reporter, but she's known as a gossip columnist as well. She reported the findings of the UFO of the British guy, that was from back in the... So that story that she had written was from 1955. So it was a good seven years before this meeting. She had written up in this gossip column basically saying that the British government has encountered a UFO. They don't know what it is. They actually have the wreckage and they know the bodies like. They're little, they're little tiny people and all that stuff. Stuff that we commonly know as greys. Now... There's two separate statements. One is someone who's close to Marilyn Monroe saying, Marilyn Monroe says that the president said he went to a base and went to go see things from outer space. And then the reporter interjects, oh, I know what you're talking about. I know a guy who, who believes aliens are here. She never named the name of the British official, which, I mean, can be a sign of deception or it can also be a sign that the guy doesn't want to be called a kook. So what in the world are we supposed to gleam from this CIA document? There's so much weird stuff in this because if JFK is willing to tell Marilyn Monroe about the secret trip and if he did see aliens, she would know that as well. She would she would have revealed that to her friend. Or would she? Kilgallen, who did do a story on aliens back in the 50s talking to an unnamed British official, she kind of threw in her own two cents. But even if we knew that there was aliens out there, why would she make the final phrase it would cause a terrible embarrassment for Jack and his plans to have NASA put men on the moon? Why would would it be embarrassing because our technology was so limited? Would it be embarrassing because it wouldn't work because the aliens would destroy it? Now, at this time, Yuri Gargan has already floated around space. Like, Russians had already launched the first manned space capsule he orbited and came down normally. There was a theory that 
JFK visiting the objects from outer space was actually remains of Soviet technology that had shot up into space and fell down. I don't really know if that washes with this. Because that would also be something Marilyn Monroe would be like, if JFK told Marilyn Monroe this stuff, she could say, yeah, he went and saw some space junk from the Ruskies. And, oh, but it's so vague to see things from outer space. And to make it even more puzzling, this isn't the whole report. There's a single page from the CIA that includes that story, and then phone taps from Marilyn Monroe's own phone, where she was calling up Bobby Kennedy, calling up JFK's brother. This is what, again, it's, it's not the exact transcript, it's what the CIA notes say. Marilyn Monroe repeatedly called the Attorney General and complained about the way she was being ignored by the President and his brother. Marilyn Monroe threatened to hold a press conference and would tell all. Marilyn Monroe made reference to bases in Cuba and knew of the President's plan to kill Castro. Marilyn Monroe made reference to her diary of secrets and what the newspaper would do with such disclosures. Now, it makes sense that they don't say exactly what that is because the CIA doesn't want to put that information. It's information that they know. And they don't want to put it in a report. Two days after that memo was created, Marilyn Monroe was found dead. Suicide. Drug overdose. Again, if the CIA was completely covering up the existence of UFOs, would they have included that first part in the document? They could have redacted it. So we would have never seen it. The fact that they leave in the part about the bases and the plot to kill Castro... We know about that. So it would make sense that that part wasn't redacted. I mean, it's a mind boggler because you have this document that really makes it look like she was ready to release all this information. We don't know what it is. We can assume that when she says she's going to tell all that it relates to UFOs and ETs and all this stuff, or it could just be, I'm going to tell me have a tiny dick. We don't know exactly what the conversation was and what she was threatening to reveal. I think just this document alone makes it look like she was murdered to cover up her from blabbing her mouth. And pro tip, don't run your mouth. And second pro tip, if you're going to, don't tell anyone you're going to. Ever. Because this is what happens. But her threatening, we hear her words to Bobby Kennedy saying, this is what I'm going to do. The second conversation is all hearsay. It's two people repeating what another person has been told. Did Marilyn Monroe know about the UFOs? Did Was Marilyn Monroe killed to cover up something and possibly that something being alien life? There's a third possibility that this document is fake. We don't really have a provenance on the CIA document. It's turned up in someone else's collection. I believe you can order it yourself, but until I do, I can't say for sure that it's 100% accurate. But other people have vouched for it. I mean, you know, UFOologists, so I don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt. They're saying that the CIA is never specifically denied that this document is fake. And it was this weird thing where someone said, I want the actual transcripts released. And the answer was kind of like, well, you already have that. So in a roundabout way, and I'm really like shortening the little legal battle that went on. But in a roundabout way, it's been confirmed to be accurate. But we don't know could easily be a forgery. I did read an interesting thing, and they said, this guy goes, I've read a lot of forgeries in my life about UFO stuff. And he goes, Norm-, he goes, if this was a forgery, this is how I think they would have done it. 
they would have said, Marilyn Monroe said that she saw aliens and she saw a flying disc. And they always hype it up. When you're making a forgery for the UFO community, you make it even more hype. And make it really like, oh, throw some green men. Yeah, yeah, put the Pleiadians in there. Like they make it more sensational. And he goes, this one actually doesn't seem like a hoax just because it's so down to earth. It's very vague. He goes, they never actually even really use the word alien or UFO in it. If it's real, if this is a real document, that's really creepy. These phone calls are being recorded two days before she dies. That's, you know, that's a really big coincidence. But who knows? You, I always thought that Marilyn Monroe, I always figured Marilyn Monroe was killed, honestly. That's a conspiracy theory I believe in, that she didn't commit suicide. I've always believed in that. But I always thought she got killed because she knew too much or she got too deep in the mob or something like that. I had, I never would have thought she knew anything about flying saucers. But according to this document, if it's real, she knew something. And what she knew may have sent her to the grave. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.